Hello? Hello? Is better? You got me. Yeah, I yeah. think so. I mean, I don't know. I I lost someone on one end. I don't know what ended. I don't know who ended up losing their side on it, but I just ended it because I couldn't hear you anymore. But I, I only have my phone with me, so we had to go back to the OG gotcha. anchor recording on the on the shitty sounding AirPods, like on the Manning cast. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I understand, and um, you know, it's, it's it's all good though. Uh, we're, we're finding a way to work it out. So, all right, yeah, film. Uh, well, Let's talk about film. <laughs> yes, yes, that's what I was going to say. I got, I was. You know, this uh, last couple of weeks, I guess I've been I've been out, out or last couple of days at least I've been out. I've been got, getting the chance to try to review a lot of film, watch some players, uh, and consult with some other people. I think this year something I'm doing a lot differently now is I'm actually getting other fresh eyes. I think a big mistake I would make is like I really don't have a bias per se, but if I don't like a player, I'm not going to see many things that's going to change my mind on that. If you know what I mean. Um, mm-hmm. now I got some people that I, I could talk to that are like, oh, well, this guy's got this and this and this, and they can help me adjust my grade with that. And that's something that I'm trying to improve on because, you know, I mean, I, I think I was still pretty right about the grade of Matt Jones. I'm going to stay behind that as long as possible, but I will say, I do think there were some things that maybe I was a little bit unfair to Matt Jones about. And I think that's something that hopefully I can get fixed here in the upcoming, uh, you know, couple of drafts and, and we'll see how it works out though. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the only thing I've gotten going on in my life right now because of all this quarantining stuff. Uh, my entire family has COVID for those who don't know, but, um, other than that, you know, I'm, I'm chilling. Yeah. And, uh, not to pivot from entire family having COVID and medical issues, but (laughs) Mac Jones. Um, yeah, so that's been weird. Uh, I'm, I'm already out there and saying, nope, I was wrong about Mac Jones. Not that like Justin Fields isn't going to be better than Mac Jones because I see the physical gifts with Justin Fields. It's just that Mac Jones already in an 11 game sample size has gotten better than he was in even the first few games of the season. And also just playing in college, like, Mac Jones is just a better player now than he was back then, which is obviously not something you can say for Zach Wilson or Trevor Lawrence or something we're waiting to see on Trey Lance or whatever it might be. So I will say I I have pivoted a bit from you and I being aggressively anti-Mac Jones. Uh, I I have pivoted a bit because now this is two draft classes in a row where, where we were a bit off. I know it's a small sample size for Mac Jones, but I remember the day before the 2020 draft, I made a 30 minute podcast about how it'd be idiotic for the Dolphins to take Justin Herbert over Tua. So it looks like two years in a row, we're going to have some catastrophic, catastrophically wrong takes on the quarterback position. Yeah. And to be fair, I I, I was, I mean, I kind of, I like both Tua and Justin Herbert that year. I I was quite a fan of both. I don't remember who I had. We did a, we did a mock draft and you had Herbert going to the Dolphins. I can't remember which of the three it was, but I I heard that. I was stunned. I was like, Oh wow. Really? Even, (laughs) even a chance Herbert would go over too. I still remember that because you were saying it, you were saying those two are pretty interchangeable at this point. Yeah, I, I like both. But but for Mac Jones, I mean, without a doubt, I I think we we can both. I mean, we we go back and listen to our old podcast, and we we were really low on Mac Jones. I had a third round grade on him uh, at the time, uh, and I really just did not see the upside in him going round one. Um, and you know, I should have said that. Now, I I will say, if there was one team, and I said this multiple times, if there was one team I think Mac Jones could have gone to and been successful with. It was going to be the New England Patriots. I just still thought at the time, looking at the other first round picks, possibly for New England, it would have made more sense to get someone else, and then hopefully so they can try to get them for round two. 
that obviously, you know, I, I think this this idea of getting Mac Jones round one and getting Christian Barmore a defensive tackle round two worked out even better for them, honestly. They get two stud players right now who are just absolutely playing out of their minds. I mean, Matt Jones really hasn't done anything different um, from the college, from what he did in college football, really. Uh, I, I just think the fact that he has remained almost constant, like he, his game and, and plays haven't really changed at all from college. He's still the same. He's still being just as effective doing the exact same thing he did back in college, which is really, really hard to do in the NFL. I mean, especially for a quarterback. You don't you never see quarterbacks succeed the same way as they did in college. But I, I think the biggest reason why that's happening is because, of course, Bill Belichick is a genius, and he's going to find ways. Him and Josh McDaniels both are going to find ways to scheme players open to let Matt Jones hit. Of course, they have a very, very good running game with a huge um, plethora of running backs right now. Ramondre Stevenson, Damian Harris, J.J. Taylor. Um, you know, I think uh, there's Bolden. a Bolden in there. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I think there's a Bolden. I can't remember. I, I know that used to have a Brandon Bolden, Bolden but I know, I know there's a Bolden somewhere. Brandon I'm gonna put Bolden that on, who it is. Yeah, I'm going to put that on the poll uh, for Friday when this podcast drops. Do the Patriots always have a Bolden in the backfield? <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I I get confused with some of them sometimes because I forget Bubba Bolden's a safety. <laughs> uh, Brandon Bolden's a running back. But yes, uh, they have so many running backs that are all being so effective in their own ways. Bolden's really like the, the receiving back in that uh, backfield right now. Damian Harris has been fantastic this year. I think they're finally getting a lot from their rookie, Ramon J. Stevenson, who I was a huge fan of in the draft uh, last year as well. I mean, they have a, a very, very good running back core. Jacoby Myers has had a breakout season despite only catching one touchdown. <laughs> his only touchdown of his career. He's still done really, really well. Nelson he had Aguilar such bad him. luck. He had one. He was tackled at the one. He had a touchdown. They got yeah. called back on a penalty. Like, he just had such bad luck on trying to get that touchdown. I mean, I, mean, I, I think you can make an argument that Jacoby Myers could be a true wide receiver, too, for a team. And that is, I mean, I, I never thought that was what was going to happen whenever the Patriots originally signed him. It's actually really worked out well for him. Nelson Aguilar, of course, has been a, a pretty solid deep threat for that team. I mean, they don't—they still, I think, obviously have a pretty big need at wide receiver right now. They still don't have a top guy, which is, I think, the, the biggest problem for New England at this moment. But they're finding ways to work out with it. You know, they have Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith right now at tight end. I know Hunter Henry's been doing pretty well the last couple of weeks. Um, of course, offensive line has been performing out of its mind yet again. And they have the, one of the best defenses right now in the league. Uh, their defense has been fantastic. And overall, the Patriots are just clicking on all cylinders. I mean, obviously, right now, the Patriots are ahead of the Buffalo Bills. So, obviously, something's going well for them. I'm not too quick to jump to conclusions. Yeah, I still think the Bills are a better team. But, I mean, you're talking about long-term, and Patriots are back to where they were before. They're going to be right back there to that top of the the uh, AFC South or AFC uh, East yet again where they're going to be uh, one of the ma- major contenders every year and I think I said the Patriots would win like 11 to 12 games at the start of the year but even I stopped believing it like at a certain point I looked up I'm like nah this team is just not very talented on offense and their offense is ranked 15th in the league right now in DVOA which if you look at the talent on the team, that's like, yeah, they're doing more with less because they don't have a lot of talent on the offense relative to other teams. But then they're carried by the defense, which feels like a classic Bill Belichick paradox all over again, which is strong defense, offense does enough to get by, sometimes has big moments with Tom Brady, of course. And, you know, it's funny the last two weeks is like the Patriots just decide whether they're going to go for 45 points or 53 points. And sometimes they'll just call it quits and only score 25 against the Falcons when they could have scored 45. Like it's a weird place that they inhabit right now where it feels like 
we don't understand what's happening. And that's kind of what's happened the last 20 years with the Patriots. We don't understand how they do it, but it just feels legitimate. Even if I bailed on my early season prediction that the Patriots would be the five seed in the AFC, like it still feels like they're headed towards that again. And I, I did not see it coming even after saying it would happen at the start of the year. I didn't see them turning the corner like this because it feels kind of legit. This adds a new layer to the Brady versus Belichick debate that's been going on for forever now, it feels like. You know, who's the better uh, of, of the guys? I, I really think Brady is, I mean, the best quarterback of all time. I don't think anyone can argue that. But, I mean, seeing Bill Belichick being able to get his own rookie and be able to mold him into what is now, I think, the, the runner-up currently for Offensive Rookie of the Year behind Jamar Chase. I mean, he's been fantastic, and if Chase isn't, you know, end up going off these next couple of weeks, you might be able to argue Mac Jones might be the new favorite uh, with how well his team has been this year. I mean, I, I really, really think it is very impressive how Bill Belichick has been able to have Mac Jones adjust because we both kind of called it out at the beginning. Matt, you know, it was pretty obvious that Bill Belichick was hiding Mac Jones to against the NFL offenses. They were doing as much as we, what they could to scheme a guy open, let Mac Jones like one read, hit his target, let the target try to make some breaking broken tackles, and make some plays. And obviously, that didn't work out very well for them. Patriots had a pretty slow start to this season. They didn't do very well. Well, ever since Bill Belichick really opened up the playbook and let Mac Jones make some plays, make some reads, be able to do things himself, Mac Jones has done absolutely perfectly. And you know what? He did it really well in Alabama too. He was a very very polished back in Alabama he made a lot of good reads and it really really worked out for him but I had I had some problems I was like in an NFL defense with you know NFL type talent NFL type athleticism he's gonna be able to do the exact same in the NFL and I did not think so and that was a big reason why I was not nearly as high on Matt Jones but a lot of the plays he got away with in, in college just purely because he was from Alabama I had Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle on his team so obviously he's gonna have some easier opportunities there however it's worked out for him. He's been able to find and hit targets, even though uh, they might be a little bit more covered. He's made some really, really good throws in tight spaces. He's super, super accurate. I think it's one of the most impressive things about him right now. He doesn't have the crazy arm strength. He doesn't have the crazy athleticism. Um, but he's a, he's a very, very smart quarterback, just like how Tom Brady was. I'm not saying it's Tom Brady, but he's a very smart quarterback. He knows exactly what, what to do, when to do it, and the the – more he's in the league, the better he's going to get at that. And that's very, very promising to see for Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots right now. So, I mean, I, I think as long as Matt Jones is able to, you know, keep his head above water, really, and, and just continue to do exactly what he's doing right now, he can be a very good quarterback for the New England Patriots in the future. The only reason why I graded him so low is I just I, – I still don't see the – upside in his game compared to the likes of Justin Fields, Trey Lance, even Trevor Lawrence. Now, I, I will say, I, I think after seeing what we've seen this year, you can make a very good argument that Jones is probably a better quarterback than Zach Wilson right now. Zach Wilson has been absolutely terrible. But, uh, you know, there, there, are, there are still debates to be made because it's only been, of course, what, 10, 10 weeks uh, of seeing these rookies. So a lot can still well, happen. So I'm not going to jump for illusions yet. For Zach Wilson, only like six because Zach Wilson's been gone for a while now. And the Patriots went – I've been uh, – I've said this a lot on the podcast, and this is, again, part of the the drinking game here. You got to – people got to take a shot whenever I say this. But I've been working through the Seth Wickersham book with Brady and Belichick and Bob Kraft. It's like 19 hours long on the audio book. It's a really thick book. And one of the things I just find interesting is Belichick has never like wavered on the commitment to still trying to do all of the dirty work of the job, even through all the success, even through being 20 years of, we don't understand how they did it. 
And even going from Brady to Garoppolo to Brady deciding he didn't want to play there anymore, all of that, and still uh, Belichick wants to set up whoever follows him in a good position, even if he knows there's not a lot of winning left to be had in New England. Because for as great as the Patriots have been this year, it does feel like the Chiefs are still better than them. The Bills might be better than them. The well, not Baltimore. Baltimore's had too many injuries at this point. But even still, like it, it, it would be shocking if that poor of an offense on paper found a way to win the championship in the NFL. And even so, that way, I think Belichick wants to set up whoever takes over for him with a quarterback. And maybe that's Mac Jones at this point. I don't know how long it's going to take for him to get to that point because I know Belichick's in his late 60s. But I'm amazed that he still is putting in all of that work to do things that confound us even with different players than he's done it with over the last 20 years which at a certain point you kind of just are like expect it to happen but I I don't know if we should expect what's happening to the Patriots to happen all the time because it's just so remarkable I'm really really interested to see when Bill Belichick chooses to leave New England right because I mean we've only really seen one side well I don't really know how to explain it we, we we've we've and at least in our lifetime we've never seen a Bill Belichick rebuild right like this is the first time we've actually seen Bill Belichick you know we we know Bill Belichick kind of made a Tom Brady team happen but we never saw it with our own eyes right because we were so young we really didn't see how it worked I'm genuinely interested to see what Bill Belichick I, does in this to that point I was uh, I was three months old when uh, or no I was uh, seven months old when the Patriots won their first Super Bowl so it's been my entire life of Patriots dominance they've this is the first time the Patriots have not been historically dominant and I'm genuinely interested in two things one can they do it again can they go back to being dominant and two how will they be back to, to being dominant I want to see it right and I want to see how Bill Belichick does it because we, we we think of the New England Patriots in our lifetime as the best NFL franchise right now. You know, I mean, despite the Steelers having, uh, you know, the same amount of Super Bowls as, as the, the Patriots and everything like that. I've always considered the New England Patriots to be the top dogs of the NFL when it comes to NFL history. But that's only because yeah. in our lifetime, they've been the absolute most dominant team. It wasn't even close. So I, I want to see if New England's able to go back to that dominant performance again and get back to that team. And I want to see how they do it, What uh, you know what paths they take because I think we can both agree in the offseason the New England Patriots are one of the most unique teams in the NFL because they take so many so many interesting routes when it comes to like you know they they almost never uh keep a, a running back you know on their team if the running back's a free agent he's almost as good as gone right they lose Sony Michelle they lose a bunch of good running backs the only guy they've ever really kept around is James White who's been a I wouldn't even say a running back at all he's more or less he's just a, a pass receiving back yeah right just, yes uh, so, I mean, it's, it's been really, really unique to see how they perform and what they do. They really took a huge um, amount of – I think the, the biggest amount of, uh, you know, cap and, and, and worries go towards the, the line, the offensive line at least, and getting guys like that. Also, they really value the defensive line a lot. Corners are a big one for them as well. They, they get some really good star players on the offensive line, the cornerbacks, uh, defensive line, and it really, really works out for them. You can tell that those are the most, like, three biggest positions in football outside of quarterback right now. And obviously, if, they're, if you're good in those positions, you're probably going to be a good football team. And that's why they've really, really done well in my eyes. They're able to reset on the positions that don't matter as much. At running back, they're not paying a lot of money for these guys at all. They can use all the money that they're saving up to get another star cornerback like Stephon Gilmore, or in this case now, J.C. Jackson. And 
you know, these guys are playing really, really well and are, are locking down these wide receivers. And all of a sudden, makes the offense, the other team's offense, a lot more one dimensional. And then let's Bill Belichick, who's a fantastic defensive mind, be able to scheme plays, be able to take advantage in and stop these teams. And, and, you know, of course, not let them move the ball. So it really is, it's very methodical the way he, he, he actually just takes the game from an analytical standpoint and, and just from his own eyes. It is really, really cool. And I, and I love to see it in action again. And it's working out already so well for him. It's really cool to see. I mean, think about besides the Patriots, who is the team that's had the longest run of success similar to them? Like, you could argue four championships in six years for the Steelers 50 years ago. Yeah, that's that's one you could make the argument for. If that's the next closest, or the Cowboys in the 90s for like six years winning three championships, like... If those are the next closest, the Patriots have been doing it for like 20 years. And even if you want to break the 20 years up, you have a three and four year run and a three and five year run of championships specifically. Either one of those you can say is the greatest stretch of winning in the history of the NFL. And even in between, they went you know, a decade without winning, but they played in two Super Bowls, made four conference championships had a 14 and two record. Like it's, there's nothing like that. And it's, it changed all the math on winning all of that to say, I know we have a 20 year of sample size, but I do think the winning is done in new England under Belichick. I think that the, the Patriots don't have any true like stars that are transcendent across the sport on their team. And I think that's kind of a, a monicum of they're probably not going to win the championship in that way because they don't have even like a defensive transcendent star or of course the thing that helped make the Patriots dynasty possible getting unbelievably lucky on Tom Brady. So that's the part where I point to and like they can be good, but the winning is done at this point. At the same time, I said that about the Warriors and now the Warriors look to be championship favorites. So Maybe I'll be wrong again on that. But it does feel like even if the Patriots are good, the championship winning is done for the Patriots. Yeah, well, the thing, the thing that's much different with the Warriors, of course, is the fact that they still have Steph Curry, who is absolutely a transcendent star, right? He's absolutely going to change the team. He's, he's that elite. He's that great of a player. I agree with you. I, I think that, you know, they, 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 now, when it comes to winning, they can certainly be – 12 and 5, 13 and 4 in a season, and be a possibly a first round buy or a team that makes it to the divisional championship. Do I think they can win a Super Bowl? I don't. I just don't think this team right now is built to win a Super Bowl. Now, things may change. You hit on a couple of draft picks, you do a couple of things that just go right for you. Maybe because you have pieces you can work with. Matt Jones has been, of course, fantastic so far. You had guys like, um, like I said, JC Jackson earlier. Um, Matthew Judon has been fantastic this year. You had a couple of players around. Uh, you have a very good offensive line. You have players that can really, really do well for you right now. However, there is not a difference maker on this team right now, right? If you have good players, you don't have a difference maker. And every team that makes the Super Bowl needs a difference maker. We see it every single year. We see the Patrick Mahomes. We see the Tom Brady's. We see even guys like Julian Edelman, who was a difference maker in, in, the, in the Super Bowl, of course. Except, you have guys like yeah. The argument you could make on the flip side, just to play devil's advocate, is they have the ultimate difference maker of Bill Belichick, where he does weird things we don't understand. That could be the ultimate, ultimate difference maker. <laughs> It's tough, though, because we've never really seen a team that is, you know, I, I feel like, every, I mean, having a great coach is fantastic. We see it all the time. We, we yeah. see 
teams overperform with a really good head coach, but I don't think we ever see a team win a Super Bowl outright with a less talented roster just because of their head coach, right? I think I, I think you it could needs argue to be a good blend. The only argument you could make in the history of the NFL is that first Patriots championship against the Rams. Like that's the only argument that could be made in the last twenty five years for yeah, this team was just significantly worse on paper and yet still miraculously won the Super Bowl. Okay. Yeah, I think it's very fair. But yeah. it's always going to be an uphill climb, especially considering in this year's league, you now have elite quarterbacks. I mean, absolute elite quarterbacks in Patrick Mahomes. You still have guys like Lamar Jackson, who are absolute wild cards and can be big problems for your team. You, you have Aaron Rodgers, of course. Uh, you know, you might have Deshaun Watson coming back. You're going to have a lot of elite quarterbacks that are going to be just as, I think, dominant and game-changing uh, as well. And that's going to be a big problem for, for certain teams. Russell Wilson as well, even though he's getting up there in eight, he's still going to be that important game-changer for a team. I, I really, really think that if the, the Patriots are going to ever make a Super Bowl, they're going to need to have a I, – I would, I would lean towards an elite player – at wide receiver. I think that's absolutely the biggest key for them. And also maybe a couple of elite players on defense as well. I think if they can have a top five wide receiver on this team, then we can start talking about them being Super Bowl contenders. But until I see that, I'm not too certain because I think once it comes to, you know, the playoffs and when it comes to getting down to crunch time, are you going to rely on Jacoby Myers and Nelson Aguilar to be the game changer going to catch a big pass for you to win the game? You're not. It's just not going to happen. They're great players. They're solid players, of course, but they're not going to be game changers for you. You're going to need a, a very key important player, at either wide receiver, tight end, something running back maybe, who can just make an absolutely game-changing play for you. And I just don't think the Patriots, excuse me, the New England Patriots have that at this very moment. Now, could they get that? Certainly. They certainly could. I don't know where they're going to go. I think they, they should get the wide receiver this year. They can get a Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave. They're a great position. But do I think that um, – do, do they ha- that wide receiver has to absolutely be, I think, elite for them to be, be able to make me instantly turn them into a contender. Now, certainly that can happen in a couple of years. We'll have to see. I don't know. It, it, it really just depends. But Bill Belichick's so confusing. I don't know what he's doing half the time, and it works out. So I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. You know, just go go ahead and say they're never gonna be contenders again. But uh, I, I do think they do need to add certainly some elite talent before I would put them across that marker. I think we pretty much agree on that, which is that Belichick gives you an edge, but you still need a base level of talent. You still need a base level of great players in order to actually compete with other teams that have great players, which I guess, you know, Brady and Gronk were the two the last time and Julian Edelman, of course, and having all pro players on defense, which I guess Judon's a step in the right direction. Do you, do you remember when, um, I think it was last March when the free agency started, we did like an afternoon podcast and the news broke on the air that Judon was signing with the Patriots. And we both thought, Oh man, that is a great signing. I don't know if you remember yeah. this, but we, we were live on the air when that happened and we were both like, Oh, the Patriots just got a real good linebacker. And like, I don't know if we thought it would be this where Judon's like one of the front runners for defensive player of the year, but man, that one was a swipe for the Patriots, regardless of what they're paying for. That was like a strategic great move by the Patriots to do that. And that's, I guess that's kind of how they step in the right direction, which is having a plan for how to use big money free agents. But then on the flip side, like they just don't know what to do with Kendrick Bourne or Aguilar or Johnu Smith. But even still on defense, they know how to use their big time guys, which I think is also the other quiet thing that we don't talk about a lot with Belichick is that, 
Belichick's a defensive genius, but not so much an offensive genius. Like he's very smart when it comes to offense, but he's not this kind of like offensive mastermind. He's just really, really smart at defense. Yeah, uh, I mean, he, he absolutely is. It, it really works out for him. And, and you know, Matthew Judon, I mean, was a guy – I do remember the conversation. I, I don't remember the exact conversation we had, but I do remember being very excited about the Matthew Judon um, signing. I mean, the Patriots do this very often. They get one t- kind of big free agent. Uh, in this case, they really got two of them, I think, in Hunter Henry and Matthew Judon, who could be a good difference makers for this team. And it's in a bunch of, I think, you know – they kind of they kind of do like a, the, what the Texans did this year in a way. They sign a lot of really okay players, right? And they have so many of them that if you know if one ends up outplaying and outcompeting the other, he of course becomes a starter, and he ends up becoming a lot better than what he actually is, right? Like it, it's really weird to see that. I mean, I, I feel like every single time a player goes to the Patriots, they end up outperforming what we know uh, of them, right? You know, at that point. So I, I really think, I mean. Coaching has to be the reason why it's happening. I don't see, you know, any other exact reason, which is why I think Belichick's such a great head coach. But, you know, I, I, it really is fascinating to see how that all works because, I mean, it is – it's a, I mean, Belichick's a mastermind. There's no, no other way to put, around, to put it. I mean, he's just a genius, and it really is shocking to see how well he's done uh, so long in the league. So staying through the AFC East, because I'm circling back to something we talked about earlier – you you watch film more and you're you're more into the x's and o's type of stuff than i am i think so with that do you know why people are saying the buffalo bills offense looks a little broken because i i don't know if i can figure i can't I, I don't think i can pin down exactly what it is other than just josh allen being inaccurate which feels like a cop-out answer because that's the thing we always say with josh allen is well if he completes better more passes and commits less turnovers they'll be fine but I, I I don't know what specifically it is that's going wrong with the Bills' offense. I think the main problem for me is I, I think the Bills have become very one-dimensional in what they want to do, right? It, it really has kind of become obvious that this is a team that is going to almost every single time look to try to get a you know a deep to medium pass to a Cole Beasley or Stephon Diggs or Dawson Knox. And, and if, if that's not the case, it's going to be a tech and run for Josh Allen. And that's really what it's been for, for a long time for them. And they've never really had much of a running game, right? And I think teams knew that and tried to play around it, but Josh Allen was just such a dangerous runner himself that you really couldn't stop it. And in my eyes, I think the overall goal and what teams wanted to do was put pressure on Josh Allen, force him to be able to have to decide a lot quicker, and that's going to end up causing him to make mistakes. And I think it's what teams have done so well right now. We're seeing teams like the Indianapolis Colts put a lot of pressure on Josh Allen and force him to make mistakes. So Josh Allen had two big interceptions in that game, had 14 incompletions, I think, and the team had little to no rushing game at all. I think Matt Breida had five carries for like 40 yards, but that was really the only thing they had in that game. They, they, they don't really have a, a consistent running game, and they really don't have an elite wide receiver outside of Stephon Diggs to be, be able to rely on whenever they need to get a good t- a catch, right? Stephon Diggs can create separation, but he can only do so much whenever he's getting double-teamed, triple-teamed even by, by, by opponents. Um, and I don't really think the wide receivers outside of him are good enough. You know, Emmanuel Sanders is solid. Cole Beasley is solid. Dawson Knox is a great tight end. I like Dawson Knox a lot. But you can only do so much. You know, when whenever you have your best guy and Stephon Diggs being covered as well as what he is, and I really think, the, the in my eyes, Buffalo Bills have a huge need right now at, at getting another wide receiver. 
uh, hopefully in the future for them because they, they really, really need one right now. But I would also go towards the defensive side of the ball because that's another thing that's really been kind of a difference this year. And the fact that the teams are just running the ball all over them. We, we clearly saw it last week with how well Jonathan Taylor did. Jonathan Taylor just absolutely killed them. Uh, and, and, you know, we saw, we saw, I mean, you know, the Jets didn't do too much in the running game, of course, but the Jets definitely had a game where, you know, Michael Carter is being effective and the Bills are worried about that and end up opening up the passing game in a certain way. And that, that was able for them to be able to to do pretty good. We saw Carlos Hyde even had a pretty good week against the Buffalo Bills a couple of weeks back. So we're, we're not saying running backs dominate per se, but they are doing enough to make it to where Buffalo's Bill, Buffalo Bills defense is getting tired. Uh, the, the offense isn't moving the ball. That, that's making it to where the other to other team's offensive side is going to have an open playbook. They're able to make more plays, and it, it really is just the, the fact that the Buffalo Bills right now are trapped. Teams have figured them out, right? And we saw this with the Ravens a couple of years ago. We saw it. I think we even saw it this year with the Chiefs to a certain extent. We, we see teams figuring other teams out. How you adjust to that is the biggest question right now. And I think the, 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 there's two ways you can do it. One way is just get another great wide receiver and just become an absolute dominant force uh, when it comes to the passing game. Or a lot more they're gonna they're gonna have to find out a way to make it to where the run game can be more of a factor because teams are not expecting the chiefs or the bills excuse me to run the ball you know it's just not going to happen the chiefs have Clyde edwards later they can run the ball whenever they want the buffalo bills they don't have a guy right now that they can trust now zach moss has been pretty solid this season he's been a good uh, red zone target of course devin singletary has been okay maybe they have matt Breida, like i said has been a pretty okay right uh, running back three i mean but they don't have a guy right now that is going to rush the ball 10, 12 times for 70-plus yards, right? It's just not going to happen. It, it hasn't happened. Uh, and, and until they do, I think teams are going to contain Josh Allen, uh, get some interior pressure for Josh Allen, force him to make a throw as quick as possible, double Stephon Diggs so he can throw it to his best target. So you're going to end up having Josh Allen under pressure throwing a lob for Cole Beasley, who's five foot ten, and all of a sudden you have two guys crashing down Cole Beasley to make an interception or a you know a, a pass breakup. So I mean, if that continues to happen every single game, of course you're going to get stuck, and you're going to need to find a way to, to to change it up. So I'm really interested to see how they do it. But right now, I, I really just think it's more of a case of they found the Chiefs out. They're taking advantage of Josh Allen's weaknesses. Uh, of course, whenever Josh Allen's under pressure, I think everyone kind of agrees he's not the most accurate quarterback at all, and so. You know, his usual – what he usually does is try to scramble out of the pocket, make a play with his legs or do something like that. But having someone contain him or, you know, spy on him, make it to where he's not able to get out of the pocket, all of a sudden makes a brand-new football player. And Josh Allen becomes, you know, almost panicked in the pocket and makes a unnecessary throw or a, a bad move that's going to result in a turnover or – Yeah, he does you know, Josh Allen things. He does, he does the Josh Allen thing where he takes a 20-yard sack or fires the ball 40 yards down the field and gets intercepted. But – it, he, he does stupid Josh Allen things. And I guess what I'm hearing is like, this is just a personnel issue for Buffalo more than it is like a schematics issue. It's just like, they, they just don't have enough players on the offensive line and skill position. I mean, it, it's tough because I, I, I really, really liked, um, I, I, I really liked uh, both Zach Moss and Devin Singletary uh, back whenever they, you know, were, were first getting drafted to this team. And so in my eyes, I think they had personnel that is good enough to be able to be a good football team. However, I mean, we, we're, we're kind of seeing where, you know, this team is just, it, it feels like they're almost just a step behind every single time. So I, I think what we, we saw from their scheme before was working absolutely perfectly, but now teams have kind of figured it out to a certain extent. Maybe now you have to look towards 
changing the personnel or doing something to be able to change it to make it better. I mean, their offensive line is certainly, I mean, solid. They're not great. They're solid, right? They have Daryl Williams who's been performing pretty solid. They have guys like Mitch Morse, Cody Ford who's been okay. I, yeah. I, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it in the last couple of weeks, but I know they were ranked 10th on among offensive line units a couple of weeks ago. Right. Yeah. I mean, they, they have, they have a, I know a couple of guys that are not, you know, great for them right now. But I, I definitely think that um, their offensive line is suitable. They're, they're okay, right? And, and, and okay, I mean, isn't exactly what you want, but it's not necessarily a big difference maker, right? It's not going to, like, ruin the game for you or anything like that. So I, I really think what, what the, the Bills have to do is get rid of the ball a lot quicker. They're going to have to find a way to make it to where teams can just – teams are going to have to be forced to make a play on the outside of, of, between the lines, make it to where Josh Allen does not have to make those risky throws or do anything that's just not working. Uh, they're, they're going to have to find a way to do to – it's tough because they're, they're, they're just going to have to find a way to make it to where Josh Allen does not have, have, have as much pressure on him as what he's had because this team rarely attacks the, the sides, the, the sidelines, right? Like they're, they're going to go – over the middle, or they're going to go deep. It's, it's going to be one of those two things. That's where their team is really, really right on now. I think they need to work on the boundaries, make it to where they have maybe some toss sweeps to Devin Singletary or Zach Moss. You know, have a couple of screens, maybe Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley. Let your playmakers get the ball on the outside and make a play. And all of a sudden, I think that what that makes teams do is makes linebackers, you know, concentrate a lot more on the flats other than being over the middle of Josh Allen. And once they are able to take advantage of that and notice linebackers are playing kind of in the middle there. Josh Allen's going to have more time in the pocket than he'll make a good throw or scramble out of the pocket and do something. And that's going to help him be a lot more comfortable and make a lot better throw. So to a certain extent, yes, I think personnel needs to be a little bit better. I think I still think his personnel is not Super Bowl worthy yet, but I think they can also use a schematic change this season and still be a good team. The best team, the AFC East, if they were to, you know, uh, fix some of these issues right now. So I would say it's, it's kind of a blend of both in, in my eyes. I think they can definitely do some, some things schematically that can work out better for them, but they could also add some talent as well and do the same thing that they're doing right now, and it could work out. How many – this is kind of a pivot from what you were talking about there, talking about Singletary and Moss, but how many running backs in the NFL right now would you trade a first-round pick for? Oh, boy. Um we can hit the obvious ones real quick. So, obviously, Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, uh, Christian McCaffrey, probably. Yeah, I think I would. Um, man, it's tough, though. Uh, Jonathan what, Taylor? Three? Yeah. I don't, uh, yeah, probably, probably Taylor. Probably Taylor with how well he's been playing. Um, is there any Nick more? Chubb? I wouldn't trade a first for Nick Chubb. Ooh, interesting. Uh, let's see. Aaron Jones? I wouldn't trade a first with Aaron Jones. I, I, you could argue maybe – man, I don't know. Ugh. Not Joe Mixon, right? No, not Joe Mixon. Um, Did we throw Dalvin Nick Cook Chubb's, in there? I'm going to be real – Maybe, but I would say the next closest one's probably Nick Chubb. And, and, and in my eyes, I just think, you know, maybe at first I, I would be more comfortable trading a second and maybe a fifth or sixth or something like that for Nick Chubb instead. But, I mean, I, I mean, 
I, I think it's you know abundantly obvious, and we've talked about it multiple times. I mean, running back is just not as valuable. You could get a running back in the draft and be a lot better off in, in my eyes. So, I mean, it's tough because you're sacrificing a lot of cap space already. You know, you're, are you going to get rid of the potential big asset in a first-round pick as well for a running back? I mean, it, it's just really, really risky. Um, and I don't know if that's you know really worth it for teams, but I, I would say for sure Derrick Henry. I mean, absolutely, he's a different. He's a game, you know, game changer for for any team. Um, and I would say absolutely Alvin Kamara. I think again, he's another game changer for any team. It gets really, really interesting when we talk about guys like Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb. That's that's really where it kind of gets to be debatable in my eyes. And then we had Jonathan Taylor in there too, I think. Which yeah, is... Jonathan Taylor, absolutely, because I think he's, you know, he's still very young on a rookie contract, and I think he's going to be a top five running back for the foreseeable future. So that's what, four? We had four of them, and then like yeah. three maybes, three where you'd need some convincing. You'd rather have a high second round pick instead. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think that's where I'm at right now because I, I really just, I don't see the absolute upside in trading that considerable of a pick you know for a a a quarterback I just don't I just don't see how that would help your team considerably or if you're Miami you say you wouldn't trade anything because you're fine with Miles Gaskin as they've been saying for two years now for some reason (laughs) yeah that's I mean I don't I really just don't know how it's worked I mean obviously the Dolphins have another problem when it comes to running the ball as well it's pretty obvious running the ball is certainly a very very important factor for any football team right I mean it's abundantly obvious every single time we see it running the ball is certainly important but you could do it in better ways um you can do it in smarter ways right like the patriots are the absolute ideal team going back to new england a little bit uh you know they have they don't have an elite running back but they have several running backs we can rotate between that can do their own you know every running back that they have is good at something different for you know it feels like and it's really interesting to see how that works out they have a guy like Damian Harris who's a could be a workhorse running back for any team he can run the ball consistently be a very very good guy Bubba Bolden can or excuse me Brandon Bolden can be a good receiving back on the outside Jason Taylor's a very good power back they have different running backs to do different to do different things and certainly the Bills could have that exact same thing if they were just to just give have their guys you know give the guys a chance really, but they, they really haven't. So I, I want to see them give some of the running backs possibly a chance and to see maybe if they have a game where they get 20 plus touches that they're able to be successful with it. Cause who knows? Maybe they will. I got two more names to throw at you here. Zeke Elliott. No. And Najee Harris. Yes. But only because he was a first round pick already. Now, I was going to say Najee before as well, because I, I think just because of, you know, him being a first-round pick and the fact that he's just on his first year of his deal, it's essentially just drafting Najee Harris. So if you want a running back that bad, I mean, you're essentially just drafting one in the first round anyways, right? So I, I, that would make – I would do it in that case, yes. How about Saquon Barkley? You <laughs> uh, could, no. could draft him over Josh Allen. How about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be fantastic. No, <laughs> this is not going to happen. I mean, he's way too injured, but I mean – I. Again, I, I'm a big Saquon lover, so I'm not going to slander Saquon, but no, it's not going to happen. Did you, did you see his stat line on Monday, though? Like, it's it's just about over, I think, for Saquon at this point. That was six carries for 24 brutal yards and got Jason Garrett fired. It's, it's yeah. rough out here. I, I needed 13 uh, points in my fantasy league for, for us to win, and Saquon was just short. It's heartbreaking. He had 12. I was like, no, there's no way. That was so sad. 
Uh, that is that is always brutal. The the losing the fantasy. I think I lost one by like point one earlier this season. I was like, God damn, so close. Brutal. So close. But I'm still in second place. Lost Derrick Henry, but still still in second place. <laughs> Holding out. Yeah, uh, I, I'm in uh, I'm in first right now. I'm in my league. I'm, I'm ten and one. So uh, quick well play. Well played. Well played. Every, again, there's a rule here. Everyone. Everyone cares about their own fantasy team, but nobody cares about anyone else's fantasy team. That is that is a general rule that we play with here on the podcast. I'd love to talk about Jamar Chase and how Mike Williams has been a godforsaken disappointment. I should have traded a couple weeks ago, but I would love to, but no one cares. So I, uh, I will defer to the fact that we're just both very good at fantasy football because I think we both have Jamar Chase. I don't. I don't have Jamar oh, Chase. You didn't that, have that Jamar pains Chase. Me. But I have Cooper Cup. <laughs> And I will ah, flex on that. That's a good one to have. Cooper Cup's a good pickup to have. I got, the, I got him in the fifth round of my draft, and I was stoked. Absolute steal. That's a good one. Yeah, I know him and Robert Woods. So there was a weird thing where it was like him and Robert Woods were right next to each other, and then um, and then Chris Godwin and Mike Evans were right next to each other. And I just said, I'm not going to touch any of those because I have no idea who's going to be good and who's not. And God, I should have taken Cooper Cup and Mike Evans because it would have worked out so well. I actually did trade for Chris Godwin. I traded like Michael Pittman and Jerry Judy for Chris Godwin. So that's like something that could work out. But even still, I was I sh- like, damn, I should have taken one of them when I had the chance. I, I was, I mean, I was absolutely a huge fan of, of Cooper Cup. I, I was very hesitant on Jamar Chase because I- you know, I mean, I'm not saying the, the, the drops and everything got to me, but, I mean, just any time you, you draft a rookie wide receiver, there's a lot of question marks behind it, right? You just don't know how good they can be, and I just thought there were better options out there. I try to be as unbiased as possible in a lot of things, so I always try to be unbiased here when it comes to my fantasy draft, and I was like, is Jamar Chase really going to be worth a six-round pick at this point whenever I could be getting guys like, you know – I forgot who, who, who was even on the board. Maybe like an Antonio Gibson or something like that. I was like, I don't think so. I'm just going to take a safer pick here and get a guy that I can trust. Um, and, you know, of course, it didn't work out perfectly for me. But at the same time, I mean, I, I have my, my two wide receivers are Chris Godwin and Cooper Cup, actually. So it's kind of funny you said that. I, I was very, very pleased to get both those guys. And that has really worked out for me right now. And I am, of course, super happy with that. So I, I can't complain too much. But, uh, I mean, sometimes you just have to – I'm a big scouting guy. I love it. I just started Dynasty League this year, so I'm gonna do some fantasy scouting now for the first time. We're gonna be like trying to figure out what pick should I, should I take in fantasy. This can be a lot of fun, but I'm always very scared about rookies because there's so much uncertainty until I actually see them on the field because I don't know what their role is gonna be. I don't know what they're gonna do, and that and that always scares me. Whenever I'm, whenever I'm drafting in a fantasy league, I always want to take a more certain uh, player that I can absolutely trust to perform pretty well. And I, I kind of thought both Godwin and um, Cooper Cup were gonna be able to. Yeah, perform to a, a pretty high level. What's interesting is I used to be in the same camp where I avoided drafting rookies, and now I've flipped entirely 180, where in the last few years I've drafted – I drafted Damian Harris this year. I know he's not technically a rookie, but it feels like his rookie year. And then because Sony Michelle is gone. So I had him. I had Henry Ruggs last year. I took Jalen Waddle this year. I took Jamar Chase this year. Like, I took all the people that I was uncertain about because I was like, if a few of them hit – then I'm getting good value because like Jamar Chase, obviously if he were to draft next year, he'd be like a second or a third round pick in most drafts. And 
Also this year, I took Justin Jefferson in the third round, which is not a rookie, but last year was obviously a breakout rookie year. So I'm like, he could get better. He could slump, but I'll take Justin Jefferson anyways. And I'm like, I've flipped 180 on this where I take all the young guys because it, if they work out, then it could be a huge value bump, which kind of worked out for like Mike Williams and Cooper Cup this year because both of them like had breakout years in year four. But those cases are like, if I know what someone is, I know what Keenan Allen is. I know what Mike Evans is. I know exactly what I'm going to get from them. It's safe but I don't know if safe is going to help me win a championship, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's an interesting psychology because there are no right answers and fantasy football is completely random. I mean, yeah, you, you, you really win fantasy football or really, these off the waiver wire in my eyes. Like, I mean, because you're going to have that Cordero Patterson who's going to go to a, a already good team and they all, all of a sudden become an, an insanely stat team. <laughs> so I don't know, but uh, yeah, I mean, certainly drafting is a big, a big key factor. I, I do a dynasty league with a couple of friends of mine. We call it the, uh, it's uh, that, the, have you ever heard of uh, the term on SpongeBob, the hash slinging slasher? Yes. Uh, we call it the, the hash slinging slasher fantasy league. Right. And we just started it this year. It's a dynasty league, of course. I mean, we, we make trades. I mean, almost every day, right? Like it's just something that we always do. There's always someone wanting something from someone else. and They're willing to trade it with a certain amount of assets they have. I mean, it's it's really really fascinating to see how how often we trade. I only have like three, maybe four of the same fantasy players I originally drafted in that league, which is really <laughs> really funny, but but absolutely true at the same time. So there's a there's a lot of things that can change. And honestly, like I after I mean, because I, I knew that the league would be so active. After a while, whenever I started drafting players in fantasy, the first thing I thought of was like who's going to value this player really high, right? Like who who am I? Like I, I literally targeted players that I thought teams would like so I could give it to them like there's there's a Colts fan in my thing so I, I had a couple of Colts players and I was like I'm gonna try to see if they want the Colts players and they absolutely did so I mean there's just so much different strategies to fantasy every fantasy league is different depending on the rules and what happens it, it's it's really fun though I, I absolutely love fantasy I, I play I'm almost on it all the time really I mean if someone's texting me on it I'm gonna answer because I I do the sleeper leagues I don't know if you've ever started that it's a lot yep. of fun though I really really enjoy it yeah, uh, Sleeper is one of the good sponsors over on Comical Sports Memes, so everyone should check out the Sleeper app. You can download it free in the App Store here today. Uh, of course, you should always check out the Sleeper app. Uh, anyway. Look at me giving the shameless plug. Look at that. Yeah, no. And again, we used to be paying, being paid to say that, but now we're just a friend. We're, I, I usually say I'm not being paid to say this. I'm just a fan. Technically, I used to be paid to say that, but now I'm not being paid to say that. I'm just saying you should download the Sleeper app for its easy-to-use interface and new Dynasty League settings. <laughs> yes, yes, I totally agree. <laughs> uh, you mentioned you mentioned the the Cooper Cup thing earlier, and we we did the Odell Beckham talk about the Rams offense. It was actually one of our more popular podcast segments. Was us talking about the the Rams offense around Odell post Robert Woods, but. Since the Rams and Packers are the game of the week, I kind of want to just talk about that game as a whole, and more specifically, Jalen Ramsey and Devontae Adams, because that's going to be fun to watch every time you get top two wide receiver versus best corner, or, you know, I guess top <laughs> top corner in the league going up against the best on the other side, because you always know you're going to have the one-on-one matchups, and Jalen Ramsey got cooked last year in the playoffs by Devontae Adams. So you know this is going to be a fun matchup to watch for the next, I guess this is not till Sunday, but it'll be fun to watch on Sunday with the Packers offense. 
Yeah, this is this is I think going to become one of the more fun rivalries in the NFL. Uh, just watching these two just absolutely go at it against each other. Jalen Ramsey's really the guy that you know. I mean, you, you, he's there's very few corners that are like this. But you're like, hey, stick Jalen Ramsey on this guy. He's going to get maybe two catches for 24 yards, and that's max. He's not going to get anything else. Uh, Jalen Ramsey might get a pick in this game. Like he's going to absolutely lock down whoever you ask him to lock down. But Devontae Adams is a little different. You know, Jalen Ramsey said DeAndre Hopkins, I think, was the best, or the hardest player he's ever guarded. But Devontae Adams that last year really kind of uh, proved him wrong because he absolutely dominated it dominated Jalen Ramsey. I believe he had what? It's like eight catches, 100-something yards maybe. I don't remember. Exactly he had two touchdowns. Line, but... He had two touchdowns in the playoff game, and one of them he shook Jalen Ramsey and, like, made him fall to the ground on, on the, one of them at the goal line. I remember that. So, it right. was – he had two touchdowns, I know for sure, in that game. I mean, yeah, he – I mean, he straight up cooked Jalen Ramsey that game without a question, without question. And, you know, Ramsey's a guy that does not take defeat very well. And we know that. We see Jalen Ramsey have big bounce back games where he, he comes back and just absolutely dominates in a different performance. But, again, Devontae Adams is having another very strong year, and we're continuing to see him really, really do well um, in, in, in the league. And I think that the longer we see this happening, the longer it's going to – it's the harder it's going to be for, people, for teams to guard him because – I mean, you know, I, you could make an argument. Devontae Adams is still getting better. And as crazy that, as that sounds, it, it could be true because, I mean, he may not have the exact same stat line as what he did last year, but he's he's doing things that, that are still just out of this world inhuman. And, I mean, there are very few wider receivers in this league that can do that, just like how I said with Jalen Ramsey. There's very few corners in the, in the league that can do that. So it's going to be a very, very fun matchup. Um it's, it's going to be really, really hard to see what either team does. I mean, I, I really don't know how well I can do an analysis breakdown for this because it's going to be a one-on-one. It just depends on how each player performs on that play. We really don't know, uh, and it's tough to kind of guess that. Um, but I, I will say I think, you know, whoever is able to win that battle is probably definitely going to win this game because I think Devontae Adams is a huge key factor in the Packers' offense, of course. Uh, and, and, and the overall goal of the Rams, I think it's going to be obviously to maybe, one, stop the, the rushing attack, but also to stop Devontae Adams. They can do one or both of those things. They're in great shape to win this game. So uh, I will give you some time to brainstorm here, but you brought up something I was thinking about in my mind, which is top five favorite rivalries in the NFL right now. What are, what are the best rivalry matchups we have in the NFL going up against each other every year? Because the NFL doesn't – I know they have, like, division rivalries, but the NFL doesn't really have true divisional rivalries. So, on the flip side of that, which are the best right now? And here's what I've got, and I'll give you time to brainstorm yours on this uh, lovely Stripe Hype Friday podcast. So, the first one I'll throw out there is a tie because I couldn't split the difference between the last two. I will go Rams-Packers and – Packers Seahawks those are the two that I will put in the fifth place slot because both of those are always fun rivalries but they they uh the Rams one is developing more recently with McVeigh and LeFleur who used to be buddies but I think they they don't like each other anymore I think I read that one time that they they've got some beef going on between the two of them but they used to be obviously buddies back with the uh back with the Washington football team in the Shanahan years so those two Interesting rivalry. Next one I have. Uh, abs- oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you're, you're good, dude. I, I was going to go ahead and give you one of mine as well because I, I, I oh. think it was one I thought of that I really like. 
I was going to say Ravens-Titans. I, I really think Ravens-Titans has become a very, very fun rivalry over the years. They've been really, really fun to watch. Ravens-Titans is one I have further up because they really hate each other. You don't have rivalries yeah. where teams hate each other anymore. Those those don't really exist as much. But I, that Ravens-Titans is one that I had ranked very highly for sure. So let's see. What else do I have? Four. Oh, yeah. Four, I had the Bills against the Chiefs. That seems like something that's going to be building over the next few years with Josh Allen and Mahomes. Then I had three Buccaneers versus Packers. The Tom Brady-Aaron Rodgers duel is one that I think is fun. Then I have Chiefs-Ravens and then Titans and Ravens as my last ones. Those would be my favorite rivalries in the NFL right now. Gotcha. So, uh, obviously, my first answer is going to be uh, Titans-Ravens. I think that's a really, really fun one. I'm also starting to actually think, even though they have not done very well this year, the the Browns and, and Chiefs could be a very, very fun rivalry for the future just because of how close the Browns were to finally changing and becoming the elite team that no one thought they could be again. And the Chiefs kind of ruined that, of course. And Chad that, that Henney ruined a, it. <laughs> yes, yeah. That's that's going to be a very, very fun, I think, rivalry for the future. I, I genuinely think another team that actually hates each other is the Chiefs and Browns. Like, I genuinely don't think either of those teams like each other at all, which I think is very, very fascinating uh, in, in that case. So I'm going to say that one as well. Um, I, I do, I definitely like the, the Buccaneers versus Packers one as well. Just Br- Rodgers, Brady's must-see TV all the time. Of course, both those quarterbacks are – you know, considered to be two of the greatest of all time. So, you know, seeing those two matchups always going to be really, really fun and entertaining to watch. I also, I, I really, really like uh, the Rams, uh, of course, and the, uh, the Chiefs as well. Um, just watching that game several years, or not several years back, it's a couple of years back, uh, where it was like, what, 50, was it 57, 54, something like that. Like a very high scoring game. What was the score? You remember that game? The Rams, the Rams Chiefs Monday night game. Uh, yes. It was, I believe, 52 to 51, I think was the final score. I mean, best game in my, the game, of all the games I've watched, it's the best game of all time, right? I, I yep. think so. Uh, and and so I, I definitely think just because of that game almost in itself, it's almost created a rivalry that's almost, you know, going to never be, I mean, that it's going to always be there. And kind of think that both those teams are now looking to be in the Super Bowl, possibly. Uh, of course, the Rams in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, so the Patriots, the Chiefs have been in the Super Bowl the last few years. I think it's another rivalry that I really like as well, and I'm really looking forward to seeing. Um, and, and you know, just for nostalgia's sake and, and just the fact that these two teams have just always hit each other forever, I, I really think Philadelphia and Dallas has to be one as well. Because, I mean, I, my, my entire family is a Philadelphia – or, excuse me, a Dallas uh, Cowboys uh, fans, right? And so – I get, I, I see a lot of the hate that Philadelphia fans give them and stuff. And I've heard so many stories about how much uh, Philadelphia like just hates Dallas, how much Dallas hates Philadelphia. And it's just such a classic rivalry as well. Um, and I know those two teams hate each other so much. So I'll put that one as my last one. Yeah, that's a good one in there. I feel like those, those NFC North or those AFC North ones get in there. Cause you know, the Ravens and Steelers obviously hate each other more. The, the Bears have just total animosity for the Packers, but I don't know if the Packers think about them in the same way because they've been dominant for 30 years and the Bears have been bad for 30 years. But th- those, that, that, those divisions. 
that, that was one thing I tried to factor here. Like I, I wanted to say Bengals Steelers, but as much as I hate the Steelers, obviously the Bengals have not done enough to make it really a rivalry at all. Right. I, I want to see like more of a two way kind of rivalry. Uh, and I think when it comes to like Philly and Dallas, of course, you know, you see them almost split every single, every single year. Yeah, I, I get it. Uh, those teams are usually competitive, even if one is winning and one is not, or both are mediocre or whatever it might be. It's at least fun to have the blood rivalries in across NFL history. So I, I like those. Uh, I know we're, we're, we're going to drop this on Friday, but uh, as per tradition, we have to pick the Thanksgiving games as part of our pick them this week. So the game yes. will be over by the time people are listening to this, but we don't know the answers here henceforth. So if, if Blake goes three and zero, then just know we're, we're, we don't know the results of the game yet at the time that we're recording this. So uh, as per tradition, we will gamble on the Thanksgiving games. I think you you're in first place now because myself and, and Walter just did shit last week and you went three and two. So I think just by virtue of us doing awful, you jumped into first place. So I will take it. <laughs> Yeah, we, we kind of did ourselves in more than you did, but still, I think you're in first place now. I can go back and check later. But uh, first up, three-point favorites, Andy Dalton versus Tim Boyle. Uh, Bears are three-point <laughs> favorites on the first Thanksgiving game that I'm going to enjoy watching because I love having the Lions on Thanksgiving, even if it's crap football. Might be the worst game of the year. And reminder, we watched uh, Tyrod Taylor versus Jacoby Brissett a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're really telling us to talk to our families at Thanksgiving, I guess, because they really just <laughs> they put or on. Or in our case, sleep dogs. in because the game starts at nine thirty where I am. So just oh, sleep yeah. in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's going to be a very, very um, interesting game to say the least. I, I was, I was this close to just having the best day of my life a couple of weeks, a couple of days ago, whenever Andy Dalton almost beat the Baltimore Ravens again. That was going to be absolutely one of my favorite things ever. Uh, of course, but unfortunately it didn't happen. Um, you know, if, if Jared Goff was healthy, I was actually going to pick the Lions in this game. I don't know if – is he coming back from injury yet? I, I heard that he was no, possibly it's, coming it's back. It's going to be Tim Boyle, I believe. It's okay. going to be Tim Boyle well, for the Thursday game. In that case, if it's Tim Boyle, I don't think the Lions win this game. I'm going to pick the Chicago Bears to win in cover. I don't even know what the line is for sure. but uh, Three points. Yeah, I, I think the, you got to get got to yeah. get the Bears by three. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the Bears for sure. <laughs> All right, Cowboys versus the Raiders in Dallas. Uh, I think CeeDee Lamb is going to be out, but we don't know at the time of recording. Amari Cooper. Cooper. Amari Cooper is out. That is another thing. So the line is seven points in favor of the Cowboys. Wow. Um, Man, Raiders looked really bad last week. Um, You know, even even though I was a big fan, I'm a big fan of the Bengals, and I always want to compliment them and say they do really well. I mean, the Raiders just played bad. I mean, they, they were not able to move the ball very well. It's, it's pretty obvious that everything's kind of affecting them right now, and they are starting to have some problems. And, you know, I, I definitely think this is a team that is still playoff hopeful for sure. Um, but I, I mentioned in the last podcast about whoever won this game was probably going to be the favorite for the seventh seed in the AFC. Uh, and, of course, I mean, the Raiders didn't even come close in this game. It was, uh, I mean, the game was close up until really the – I mean, beginning of the fourth quarter, I guess. But, you know, even then, it was almost always a two-possession game. They they weren't really moving the ball whatsoever. Um, and Cincinnati, just at the end, had two big takeaways, of course, to kind of take this game over and, and, and seal it. So, I mean, I didn't see a lot from the Raiders at all, especially near the end of the game, to, to prove to me that this is a team that's willing to compete for a long time. But seven's also a big line. Is it at Dallas? Is that what you said? It is at Dallas. Okay. 
Uh, I'll, I'll actually take Dallas to win in cover here. I just don't want to bet right now on the on the Raiders because they look like they're slowly falling apart. And there's a lot of question marks whether uh, Derek Carr is going to be uh, the long-term future option for the, for the Las Vegas Raiders now. And though I'm a huge Derek Carr fan, and I'll go ahead and say I love Derek Carr as a quarterback. Um, I, I really I, – I don't know if he is. You know, there's a lot of question marks right now. And he's just not doing – He's not making those crunch time plays that they need to win football games. And there's a lot of question marks there, of course. So Dak Prescott's been really good. And even without uh, Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb, they're going to have guys like Michael Gallup and Cedric Wilson that can make plays whenever needed. They have Dalton Schultz, who I'm a huge fan of. I still think Zeke and Tony Pollard have done so well this season, and their defense has been really good. They're going to have enough weapons to make some plays here just to do enough to win. So I'll take Dallas to win in cover. Yeah, I, I'm on the same boat as you because uh, it's a principle choice. The Raiders are not allowed to be good. I picked the Raiders last week. was a bad idea. I should have stuck to my guns. The Raiders are not allowed to be good. So I will pick the Cowboys this week and probably get burned and then not pick the Raiders the rest of the season. Um, finally, <laughs> the Buffalo Bills, five and a half point favorites at the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, uh, the Bills are in a desperate need of a comeback here um, and they should get it. You had Trevor Simeon this week, so I don't think – I mean, I hope that they can handle Trevor Simeon and the Saints offense. Well, of By the we'll way, see, just but... real quick, did you see Trevor Simeon's splits in the game on Sunday? So when the the Saints were down 33-7, to Trevor Simeon was 8 for 23 for about 100-something yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions – and then in the last, I believe it was like 11 minutes of the game in basically garbage time, he was 15 for 17, 180 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What the heck? <laughs> I didn't even know yeah. that. I, I remember looking back at that game. I was like, actually, Trevor Simeon was not terrible. I, I want to be real with you. I didn't actually watch the game at all. Um, that is totally uh, fair. Yeah. There were nine games in the morning session. It was 33 to 7. It's the Eagles. I get it. It's totally yeah. fair. <laughs> but uh, I remember looking back at Trevor Simeon's stat line. I was like, well, it is the Eagles, but it's not bad. You know, it's not, it's not a bad game for Simeon. He had a, oh. he had a 28 QBR until that fourth oh, quarter. And then he finished with a 70 QBR by going 15 for 17 for 180 yards and three touchdowns in garbage time. That's crazy. But uh, no, I, I really think this should be a bounce back game for the Bills. They need to reassert their dominance. They have really struggled the last couple of weeks and they're in desperate need of a win here. I think they get one here. I think they can get their minds back in the right place. So I'm going to have the Bills win and cover. Yeah, I think we're on the same boat there as well. So we got two more games here. Uh, oh, this is a fun one. Buccaneers at the Colts. The Buccaneers are three point favorites on the road. Colts are, I think, the hottest team in the league right now. If you were to ask me, uh, if, if there is a hotter Ooh, team in the league, hot, than hotter than the, the hotter than the Patriots, hotter than the Chiefs. Ooh, yes, I, I, I will stand by that. I will stand by that. I think the Colts are currently the hottest team in the league. We, we're, you know, the Colts are one in five to start the season. Yeah, everyone kind of had them out of the playoffs. There was not one person that really thought the Colts were contenders right now. They're five and five, and they've won some very, very tough games. Uh, and, and they have done – I mean, they've they've dominated in those tough games. I mean, they, this is a team that is just playing as dominant right now. Carson Wentz has had a, a – a, not a revitalization by any means, but he has certainly performed a lot better than what most people thought he could. Jonathan yeah, Taylor, Carson Wentz of course, has been above average. Two. Exactly, yeah. Uh, Jonathan Taylor has turned into, I think, what is now wildly considered a top five back. You could argue top three back right now um, in, in the NFL. I, I really, really think this team's clicking on every single cylinder possible. Um, 
Tom Brady has again. I mean, it's Tom Brady, and and the Tampa Buccaneers. There's not really any question marks with them. They are still dominant, and and as good as what they are. Um, if if the Colts win this game, they might become the my new seven seed in the AFC North because I mean this is a this is a big key game. If they win this game, they're six and five. They they could be looking to you know become that of course that next seven seed because they're really contending right now in my eyes with the Cincinnati Bengals. So it, it really is um, a close matchup there, but. Let me, let me just say, I, I do think that the uh, excuse me, Tampa Bay Buccaneers win this game. Five and a half is a very, very tough line for me. Oh, it's so only three. I'm gonna, it's only three. Three. My fault, my fault. Okay, yeah. so I'll take Tampa Bay. Five and a half. In. My yeah. fault. Sorry, yeah. Five and a half was the last game. It's only three points for the Bucks. Okay. Yeah, as if, if it was five and a half, I, I might have taken uh, Indianapolis to cover. Uh, but since it's only three, I, I won't take any, uh, to take Bay to cover and win this game. All right. And last but not least, we have Monday night, Seattle at Washington. It is a straight up pick 'em. Seattle, Washington, just pick the winner. Yeah, I'm going to pick Washington to win this football game. I really, really am. I, I knew, I knew it. I knew it the moment it happened. Let me just say, Russell Wilson coming back from his injury, I knew was not going to be the same Russell Wilson. And I just want to, I just, I don't want to flex on that because, of course, I hate to see that for Russell Wilson. But I, I knew that's exactly what was going to happen. I, Feel I free told to myself, flex. I've been, I've been flexing for four days that I told everyone the Titans weren't legit. So keep flexing. We love flexing here on the podcast. <laughs> I told myself that, that that Green Bay Packers game was going to be a blowout. Like, I knew it was going to be Green Bay's big victory, and it was. Um, I don't remember who they played last week. Who did they play last week? The Seahawks? They were uh, they, they got smoked by Colt McCoy. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, yeah, they got absolutely blown out by the Arizona Cardinals as well with Colt McCoy, of course. I mean, this is a team that's heading in the wrong direction, right? We, we, start, we saw it start with Geno Smith. I think it's continuing now with Russell Wilson. Even though Russell Wilson, I think, is definitely better than Geno Smith, obviously. Um, this is a team now that has just lost all their mojo and, and just don't have it anymore uh, as what they did before. Meanwhile, the Washington football team, of course, um, you know, they, they, they upset the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a couple of weeks ago. This is a team that is not – they're not elite by any means, but they are still good enough to win some football games for sure. And I think they have a they, – I think they finally have a, a consistent offense they can work around now that they've never really had before. Uh, and, of course, their defense is still – I think though they're definitely underperforming. They're starting to find their groove in a different way um, without Chase Young. So I, I, I want to take Washington to win here uh, and cover, of course. Um, I, I think Washington's heading the right direction. And, honestly, I'm interested to see that – that NFC East, uh, you know, second team, uh, whether whether it's Washington or Philly, I'm interested to see if either of those teams can maybe try to vie for that seventh wild card spot. That would really intrigue me if one of those teams can make a good comeback story and maybe get into one of those wild card spots because it's wide open right now if you're in the NFC. So I could see one of those teams trying to contend and, and maybe maybe make it in because they they for sure have an easy schedule with how you know uh, you know weird that division is right now. You said the, the Bengals and the Colts were battling for the seven seed. Does that mean you have the Chargers penciled in as the sixth seed in the AFC? Currently, yes. I, I still think the Chargers okay. are legit, and I, w- I want to put them in there. Um, and, and I, I knew who the right first now, five were. I, did, I just didn't know who six was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And right now, I think, you know, you really look at six being contenders between, like, uh, the Browns, of course, the the Steelers, the Bengals, and and really the Colts. So all three AFC North teams and the Colts. Uh, and and though the Browns, you know, absolutely dominated the Bengals a couple of weeks ago, this is a team that I think, of course, is definitely heading in a bad direction with Baker Mayfield. There's a lot of question marks there. Uh, and the Bengals obviously beat the Steelers a couple of weeks ago. They play them again this week. It's going to be another huge game in terms of wild card implications. But I, I really think the Bengals have kind of 
at least in my eyes, risen as the second best team right now in the AFC North. Of course, they beat the Ravens, who are currently the best seed right now in the AFC North as well. So you make an argument they might even be the best team right now. But when you look at the Indianapolis Colts, uh, that, that's another team that I think is absolutely rocking. I think that right now they look better than the Steelers and the, the, the Ravens, or excuse me, the Browns as well. Uh, so I, I really kind of see those two teams being the main contenders uh, for the AFC North uh, wild card spot. But you know, Cincinnati is a big game this week. If they beat the Steelers, I think they are absolutely the favorites for that spot. If they lose against the Steelers, they have some work to do. I forgot to talk to you about college football, so I just want to rapid fire a bunch of games this week real quick. So just five seconds or less analysis from this game. can just be a name of a team, whatever it is. Just rapid fire through some of these. So Ohio State, Michigan. Ohio State, uh, C.J. Stroud, the, 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 the hottest team in college football, for sure. Yeah, eight-point favorites, probably a good bet there. Uh, Mississippi, Mississippi State. Going to be fun, but Matt Corral's a difference maker. Iowa, Nebraska. Yeah, Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> lots of corn. That's basically the, the lots Black of, Friday lots of corn, corn Bowl. It's the Black Friday <laughs> yeah. Corn Bowl every year. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Cincinnati. Yeah, they're making the playoffs. Uh, probably going to lose first round, but good for them. <laughs> yeah. North Carolina, North Carolina State. Uh, ugly, but I like Sam Howell, so I'm with North Carolina. Georgia, Georgia Tech. Uh, Georgia. <laughs> Georgia by a million. Georgia, Georgia bloodbath. It's a 35-point yeah. favorite, which I think is a larger line than Kansas against Texas, if I remember correctly. I think that's the thing that happened. Um, yeah. Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. I'm going to take Oklahoma here in an upset. I think they can bounce Ooh, back. So that means Oklahoma State would be out of playoff contention at this point. I like that. Yes. Oregon State, Oregon. Oregon needs a bounce back game. I think we get it here. That would win the Pac-12 North for them. Michigan State, Penn State. Michigan State, kind of, wow. Michigan State surprised me. Uh, I'm going to take Michigan State to win, though. Uh, Penn State has fallen off harder than Michigan State, actually. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be tough, but I'll take Michigan State. Clemson, South Carolina. I want to pick South Carolina, but I'm going to go Clemson. <laughs> and not not yeah. enough cojones. South Carolina gets a bowl game this year. Shout out to, to Beamer. And, and the they beat Florida down there. They did beat Florida. And then, <laughs> yeah, we, we've been making Eli Drinkwitz jokes for about four weeks straight or four days straight because uh, Florida decided if you're getting shit talked by Eli Drinkwitz, who looks like a youth pastor and the Missouri Tigers, then it's over for you in Florida. Your days are done there. <laughs> South South Carolina and Missouri both beat the Florida Gators this year. And Kentucky, all three. Uh, it's just yep. a trifecta right there. You know, you know you're in trouble when that happens. Yeah, but Kentucky at least is good. Like South Carolina and Missouri were expecting to be shit this year, and both of them are going to make bowl games, I think. So that's just that's yeah. just a weird coincidence that Florida happened to be that bad this year. Who does Florida? Oh, that's right. Florida State plays Florida this week. <laughs> what winner yeah. makes a bowl game, loser makes a bowl. doesn't. Yeah. Yep, that's going to be so much fun. I'm so excited for that game. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. All right, what else we got here? Texas A&M, LSU. I'll take A&M. LSU, five and six as well. Need a win to make a bowl game this year. It's a yep. interesting turn of events. Uh, Alabama, Auburn. Uh, Bama by a million. Oh, a million. I mean, they're only 19-point favorites. So. Yeah, only. Yeah. No, I think they went by 20-plus. <laughs> Love that pick. Love that pick. Uh, what else we got here? Pittsburgh-Syracuse. Uh, Kenny Pickett season. I'll take Pittsburgh. 
UTSA, meet meet motherfuckers. Yes, that's all you need to know. Just meet meet. They are meet, they are meet. back. <laughs> they're, they're finally here. I, uh, I, I love UTS. I'm, a, I'm of course I'm a Marshall alumni, so uh, of course I want to cheer for Marshall and everything like that. They might face uh, UTSA in the cha- conference championship, but I wouldn't be mad to see UTSA finish undefeated this season. Wouldn't see me angry. Yeah. It's the brutal part is that they can go undefeated and they'll get to play in the Boca Raton Bowl in a couple weeks. It's an unfortunate yeah. end to the year for UTSA, but still, meet meet. Just don't ask me about their players. Yeah, I need a couple of I need a couple of uh, weeks before I can tell you what, <laughs> what's going on there. <laughs> and finally, of course, the college football game of the week. For some reason, at nine a.m. on a Friday, Boise State versus San Diego State. Yeah, uh, why is it the game day? I don't know. Uh, I'll take Boise. I guess I, I think Boise is pretty good, so I'll take Boise. <laughs> Yeah, it's not like the game's on the East Coast either. It's in San Diego. It's just played at 9 a.m. on Friday for some reason. Right. Like it, it'll, be, it'll be 12 for me, but for everyone else, you know, at least on the West Coast, it's 9. So it's going to be stupid early for them. I don't, I don't understand that. It's because they get to be on CBS, and any chance you can get to be on CBS, you take advantage of it. So Fair enough. It's going to be big for their programs. So. Yeah. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and we will reconvene again soon. I appreciate your flexibility. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoy all your turkey and stuffing and all the good stuff. Yes, and mashed potatoes. Yes, and lots of mashed potatoes straight down straight down my face. I'm going to start eating it like a pelican. Just start guggling mashed <laughs> potatoes in my face. Listen, <laughs> I am the biggest fan of stuffing in the world. I literally... Uh, every single every single I, I eat multiple uh thanksgivings because i have divorced parents of course but every single every single thanksgiving every single chance i get i'm taking all the stuffing that i can't like i just need it all so i'm gonna pack it up put it in my house i'm gonna eat it all day for for uh uh for lunch and it's gonna be fantastic i'm excited it's just bread that tastes delicious like how can you say no to just bread that tastes delicious and it's like yeah, it's like saying no to love like you can't do that <laughs> yeah Exactly. It's it's wonderful. Enjoy enjoy Tim Boyle while you stu- while you indulge with stuffing. I'm going to thoroughly enjoy just shoving my gullets with stuffing while I watch Andy Dalton versus Tim Boyle. It's gonna be amazing. <laughs> yes, Andy Dalton, Red Rifle might get a win. Might save Matt Nagy's job for another two weeks. Who knows? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> no, I think this would be funny. Second year in a row, a coach gets fired the day after Thanksgiving if the Lions win because Patricia got fired last year on the Friday after Thanksgiving. So that would be a fun little turn on the Thanksgiving dial. And I want to see the Lions win, win too. I yeah, see win. the Lions would win their first Thanksgiving game since 2015. <laughs> I just want to see Dan Campbell get the win he so desperately deserves. I was I was so cheering for them against Pittsburgh. Uh, I, I'm I'm cheering for him, of course, now against uh, against uh, uh, the Bears, of course. I, I need to see them get the win. I want to see it. I, I'm fine with them going 0-16 and one two though. At the same time, All yeah. Right. I mean, have they, a great they, they yeah. get cave on. Yep, Sorry. they get they can take. I I think I called him the kid from Oregon the other day. I'm like, yeah, why not? It'll help. You just need talent. That'll help you rebuild a little bit. Just get a bunch yeah. of draft picks. You also got the Rams pick this year, so you're basically yeah. the Jaguars. You're basically the Jaguars <laughs> a year ago. I'm looking forward to it, though. 